Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promise Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90-Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, ahead of Saturday's Manchester derby. Rob, how are we doing? Very good, Scott. I like that kind of smooth intro there. That felt very like, I don't know, Radio 2, you know, like, welcome to our show. Because well, we're all very, very calm before this Manchester derby. I am calm. I'm actually quite calm. I'm, you know, I'm, are people nervous? Let us know. If if you're nervous, what are you thinking? Man City aren't looking too sharp at the moment. They were beaten by Southampton in the week. Man United now favourites for the Carabao Cup. We could probably talk about that today, Rob. We should. Uh, we should talk about that. Uh, but yeah, like things are going all right for Man United at the moment. Going into a tough period of fixtures. Manchester City at home on Saturday. Crystal Palace in midweek. And Arsenal away next weekend. Should be a real good test of United's metal. And they've got a new striker to bring off the bench to lump it into uh, if they're needing a goal. Or he'll do a bunch of other things as well. We'll talk about Valt Fergus today. We'll talk Manchester Derby. We also have a special interview with Rio Ferdinand, former Man United defender, Man United legend that you can catch later in the show. Extended interview with him, I might add. Uh, but yeah, Rob, uh, big weekend ahead. Did I ask you how you were doing yet? Or how how are you? you let's did. go. How are you feeling about the Derby? <laughs> Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, again, these games in recent years, there has been that impending feeling of dread. You know, you kind of go, well, there's nothing to lose. They're loads better than us. And on the other hand, you're thinking, yeah, we're going to get smashed. We might get smashed in this one. Might be five, might be six. Who knows? And obviously in the last game, that's what happened. Was it a double hat-trick? Was it Haaland and Foden, both with hat-tricks? Just to really grind the salt in the wound. But, and it's a good but, it feels like we have turned a corner a little bit. And they're kind of not turning the corner they want to turn, are they? You know, here we go. Generational talent up front in Haaland. Yes, he's a free-scoring centre-forward. He's going to score a billion goals in his career, whatever. But it feels like the gap has shrunk a little bit under Eric Ten Hag. And we now need to see that in real time, don't we? So I think in terms of how I'm feeling, kind of like, almost looking forward to going to the game, which I know in previous Manchester derbies, I've always gone, oh, well, these are the games you go for. It's a catchphrase, isn't it? Cliche. You know, you want the big games. And it's true, you do. But you're kind of going to this game thinking, might see something good for once and not say, oh, a lucky win or a ground out win. You might see Man United actually play some very decent football. So good position, you know, favourites to win the League Cup with, uh, you know, the newfound success at Newcastle United with their £500 billion in their pockets. Well done to them. Semi-finals of the League Cup. Uh, and a good position, I think, all in all for Manchester United. You mentioned gap shrinking there, Rob. If United win, they are one point behind Manchester City in the Premier League table. At near enough the halfway stage, I think this week coming, they will reach the halfway stage, 19 matches in the league. And uh, 
it's a good test of United's metal, but I will we'll come back to that in a second. You can subscribe to our show, obviously, wherever you get your pods, uh, and you can watch us on YouTube twice a week as well, Tuesdays and Fridays. Head over to that channel, like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us as well, and you can follow us on Twitter to get in touch about anything pre-Mac Derby, post, about Veghorst, uh, anything. At underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. And uh, I'm just, yeah, you've, you've done your bit on the Manchester Derby, Rob. I'm going to do my little my little spiel. I think this is a really good test for both teams. Watch City in the week. I only caught the last half an hour, but just things weren't clicking at all there. There, there, were, there were passes going astray, very unlike City. The energy, Southampton won in that department. Pep's talking about, albeit joking about, changing things up and going a little bit crazy. I don't know if he will, but this is a real good test. United have won a number of games in a row, and the criticism, obviously, even though they've beaten Arsenal and Liverpool already this season, <clears throat> the criticism is, well, you haven't beaten anyone, have you? You know, uh, So this will be a really good test. City also need to win this game, so it's very important for them because they're five points behind Arsenal. So both teams going into this game needing to win. United are, and I think even fans of other clubs are starting to look at it and think, oh, they might be onto something here. There's plenty of road to go down. Uh, there's plenty of things to change still, but this guy, Eric Ten Hag, looks like he knows what he's doing. So it'd be a really good test over the next week, 10 days or so. Uh, a really good test of just how far United have come. And uh, can we? No, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> we if did, not, that. I, we I did that, that show I, last week. <laughs> but I, yeah, but I said this yesterday and like I prefaced it with on the, on the Nightingham channel. I said, I don't think United will win the league. I don't think they have enough strength and depth, right? And then I said, but if they beat City, they beat Palace and they go to Arsenal and get a result, they're in the mix, is what I said. Obviously, the comments, oh, this United thing think. United fan thinks United are going to win the league. Oh, delusion, delusion, delusion. I didn't say that at all. But if United can win the next three games, it's a different picture. Totally. And uh, I I think I have used this this comparison in recent weeks when we've talked about the chances of United winning the title. I think at this stage now in January going into February, they've got as much chance of winning the league as Leicester did when Leicester won the league at that point. Because even in January that year, people were saying, well, Leicester will fall away. They will do. You know, Tottenham are going to win the league that year and this club are going to win the league. You know, they've got they've got better players. Well, I think that's how Man United are. You know, we look at Manchester City. Manchester City have still got a much better squad. There's no doubt about that. And the disclaimer always is, is that if City pop at Old Trafford and play their best football, you probably do lose. That's the truth. But football is funnier than that. Football always gets you and punches you in the face when you think that you know everything about the game, doesn't it? It's how it works. So I think that that Eric Ten Hag has done a great job. And I think he needs to now just keep the wheels in motion because that's how you're going to become a title contender in the weeks ahead if you do indeed get there. You know, when you talk about how United have played and you just said that other, other pundits, other fans are kind of going... United might be in the race. The reason why they're saying that is because they've actually watched us. They've actually watched the football and gone, oh, they're actually all right now. Whereas when I watched them a year ago, they were dreadful. And we all said that and we all believed that. So I think as far as um, Pep Guardiola and Manchester City go, they are in some kind of funk. We don't know why. You, you can see it. 
All I can think is this, Scott, and again, this sounds like repetition. You put Haaland at the top end of your attack, you assume he's going to score lots of goals, and he might. But it's no good having a striker who scores you 50 goals if your team is not as good and doesn't win as many games. Manchester City last year were irrepressible without a striker, like unbeatable at times. You know, big runs of winning games. They're not that team anymore for whatever reason. So Guardiola needs to find it. At the moment. At the moment, mm-hmm. what's happened to Cancelo? What's happened to Foden? What's happened to Grealish? Hundred million pound substitute that does literally nothing. You know, you've got all these players. Don't tempt fate, can... Rob. Rob, but, don't but, fate. but 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 it doesn't mean they're not good. It doesn't mean they can't find it. So I'm not not tempting fate. I'm not kind of going down that path. Um, I I know that on any given day, Manchester City can turn up and really hurt you. But you could just see, even in the League Cup semi final, that they've lost something about their DNA, whatever's used to make them tick. And Guardiola, that he didn't have a shot on target in that game. So you can bet your bottom dollar that they're going to have a lot of shots on target at Old Trafford and they'll be practising that in training now all the way up to the game. But there's something not right. The ship is rocking and the seas are not choppy outside. And you've got to say to yourself, well, what is it? What's making this happen at Man City? And every club goes through this, Scott. Liverpool are going through it and have been through it before. You know, you can go on big, long slumps or little short ones. So let's hope for us that this is a big, long slump for City and that they're finding it difficult to to be the, the kind of team they want to be. But I think that's the issue with the number nine is that modern football is about having number nines that can do 10 things, not one thing. And I think Haaland does one thing really, really well. And the rest of it, you know, he's not exactly Valt Veghorst, is he? So, you know, as far as you go, <laughs> Veghorst off the bench for Manchester United, final minute, overhead kick, top corner. Uh, I went a... I went with uh, flick on header. Flick on header to, to yeah. Marcus or something. No, just like flick on header, kind of like his first goal for Argentina at the World Cup, uh, against Argentina at the World Cup. That's, what, that's the kind of scenario I'm dreaming up in my head. Obviously, you know, uh, we'll see, but you're you're on you're right there, Rob. I mean, they're not at the moment. I'm stressing at the moment they are not the team we expect them to be. Yeah. Uh, although City go through funks in seasons and then they end up winning twelve games in a row. We haven't seen that yet. That could happen mm-hmm. at some point soon. They have yeah. gone to Chelsea, awful in one half, and changed things around and won in the second. And Chelsea not very good at the moment either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know. There's reason for optimism here. I'm I'm very used to Man City coming to Old Trafford and there was one season I remember where they were winning and they kept the ball in the corner for seven minutes of injury time. I remember that watching it and they were literally taking the taking the pee, you know? And uh, I'd like to think that United have come a little bit further than that under a manager who probably has learned a lot from the reverse game as well. Yeah, so- I'll point out that Casemiro was on the bench for that six three mm-hmm. and uh he has been he's made such a difference to the team itself uh most people regard harry's gonna harry's listening to this our producer he's gonna he's not gonna like this at all most people regard Rodri and Casemiro as the two best dms in the league sorry harry uh thomas party honorable mention. Uh, I'm trying to get a comment out of him <laughs> after party, yeah. Uh, so it'll be a good test of uh, two teams who are probably as close as, they, as close as they've been in a few years, I think. 
Yeah, completely. Like, I think, you know, again, in years gone by, you know, when we do those comparisons about who would get in the Manchester team from both sides, and I've done these before, and it's literally been City and maybe one United player. But but that has definitely changed a little bit when you look at form. And, and this is form is everything in terms of when you go into a game like this. And, you know, I would say that like Marcus is probably the best form striker with Haaland overall. And then you look through the team, you talked about Casemiro. And I think through the season, Ericsson's played well. And then we look at the back and Martinez has played well. Varane has been brilliant. You know, De Gea has arguably been one of the best goalkeepers in the league uh, this year. I know we're not allowed mistake, to say that. But... <laughs> the Everton mistake, it didn't happen. And that has been erased from my memory straight away. That has gone. Uh, 100%, but that was a terrible mistake, wasn't it? It's just like my jaw just hit the ground. Worst worst moment of the season for David De Gea. Um, but there's there's definitely a coming together in terms of the two squads that, that wasn't there a short while ago. Like you keep saying, and I keep saying, City can turn it on at any point. The difference is this, I'll say, is at the start of last season, when we're again doing Premier League review shows, and City had that bad run, didn't they? Was it the start of last year? Or was it the season before? I think Spurs think. beat them. Yeah, and they had... I think, I think they lost three games, didn't they, in the first 10? And and people were like, oh, they're, they're eighth, they're ninth, they're tenth, this is it. And I went, no, I think they're still going to win the league. I was watching their games and I was thinking, they've played really good football. For whatever happened, it's just not worked. They haven't won games. I'm not thinking that at the moment. I'm watching every minute of Manchester City football and going, you're not very good at the moment. You're not doing the things that used to make me scared of you you know like in terms of their retention and how they used to just cut teams open with a knife you know just so good at it there just seems to be a dysfunctional element in their team now which you don't know why it's there you know something like Concello best fullback in the world only five minutes ago now can't get in ahead of Rico Lewis really like you know Pep's talking about Rico Lewis as being the next big thing and you know Cancelo's on the outskirts. So it's it's a weird set of situations, isn't it? Because these players you think would be starters at Man United still. You know, if they played for us, we'd be like, no, they would have to start. Whereas at Man City, they've got the luxury of being able to rotate it. That rotation is not quite working at the moment. Let's talk rotation uh, on the United side. How do you expect Eric Ten Hag to approach this game? Because if there's a criticism of the United midfield... It is that sometimes it can be bypassed a little bit too easily, and especially against a team like City with the likes of De Bruyne in there, Bernardo mm. Silva. De Bruyne is very good at picking up the ball deep and powering through midfield. Is Christian Eriksen, has he got enough energy to stop that kind of thing? Do you, Or do you expect Eriksen, Bruno Fernandes and Casemiro to start? Or can, will we maybe see Fred? or McTominay come in as that little bit more energy in somebody's place? What do you think he'll do? Again, I think in times gone by, and we're looking at Man United managers, and even Eric Ten Hag in the, in the thrashing that we got at the Etihad, he wants to play this progressive 4-1-5 style. Yeah, he wants to play on the press. However, he's shown that against certain teams and certain teams that have more possession themselves, that he will play a much more rigid 4-2-3-1. Yeah, he'll do that. Because now you've got Martial at the top end. You don't have the Ronaldo-isms to worry about, i.e. Ronaldo standing around with his hands on his hips somewhere in the halfway line. You know, you don't have that dysfunction ourselves. So you've now got a striker that's more mobile. And I think you will see that he will play the two, the double pivot, his style of double pivot, not the Ole and Solskjaer style. And that doesn't mean that you need McTominay or Fred. Now, McTominay in the game 
the 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 semi final, which we've not really kind of gone into much deep in. I didn't think he was particularly good. I don't know what you thought. I thought he had a kind of he was mobile, he was active, he does the things that Scott McTominay does, but you could kind of see that he doesn't really match the profile of moving the ball on now anymore. That's kind of Casemiro's job, isn't it, in the team? And Ericsson, we see, is not playing as number 10, is he? Ericsson's playing deeper. So I think that he'll just go with that. I think he'll go with those two players because it's about out, outthinking City in the middle of the park with the ball on the deck. It's not just about running about. It's not about energy. It's about when you've got the ball, don't give it, don't turn it over so easily like Man United have done for many years. So I think as long as Casemiro is in there, I don't mind who's next to him. And I don't think, it's more likely, I think, to be someone like Fred, who... Seems to be getting good minutes at times, but again, I don't particularly trust. But I think he'll go with what he knows. I don't think there'll be a lot of rotation. I don't think he'll respond to Man City. He'll put his team out and say to Pep Guardiola, you respond to us. You're coming to Old Trafford. We're the team on form. You're not particularly on form. So come and do your best. You just mentioned De Bruyne there. Like, you know, De Bruyne is a player I've always feared. You know, such a great player. What's going on with De Bruyne? He just doesn't look happy, doesn't look settled. Can't find that ball from him to Haaland. He's too far apart. They're miles apart. He's playing so deep. I don't know what's going on with that. So I look at that and kind of think, yeah, come to Old Trafford, do a little bit more of that because we'll exploit you. If you do that, we'll be the team on the front foot. So I feel good about those things. I think that's why I'm kind of more relaxed about it than than nervous. What do you think? What do you think about the midfield? I'm feeling the same. I'm probably thinking he'll go the Ten Hag way. If there's anything... we know where it's in Hag's first choice 11. I think mm. we can probably name it as it stands. Obviously, there's concern over Diogo Dallo. He was uh, it, he was taken off as a precaution, uh, but he has been injured recently. So we will see. Eriton Hag might confirm that in his pre-match press conference, uh, or maybe they'll they'll run this up to the the very last minute to see if he can play. Uh, but even Aaron Wambasaka coming in has done pretty well recently. I would expect it if everyone's fit. To do to go with the eleven that everyone expects, I think everybody could probably name that eleven now as well, which is yeah. a position that United haven't really been in for a long time. To be honest, absolutely. We said at the start of the season that when everyone is fit, the eleven kind of picks itself. Kind of, there's tweaks, obviously, but you know what you want out of that starting eleven. This is why we saw about Ronaldo, not negatively, but we'd say like you can't have Ronaldo in that team because he compromises so many positions. But you just said there about guy Aaron Wambasaka. Now we know that there's loans being explored for the guy. There's every chance that he'll end up at, at Wolves or Palace or somewhere else in between. I've seen enough of Aaron Wambasaka in the last two or three or four weeks that's now made me think: keep him, don't let him go just yet. Like there's something brewing in Aaron Wambasaka's world. I don't know what it is, but he's technically better. His coverage is better. He looks motivated. He looks like twice the player he was only a few weeks ago. And again, that's credit to the manager. And I think Diego Delo had this injury coming out of the back of, of the Qatar World Cup and he's still managing these things. Can you afford to let Aaron Wamasaka go out on loan just to balance the books? Like, you know, we'll talk about Veghorst and his loan in a minute and, and the price of that loan. And United might have the kind of functionality in their heads of, right, well, if you let Wamasaka go, that balances the books in terms of wages of who pays what no you know if, we, if we're going to be in a title race here maybe you need everyone hands to the pump don't you so Aaron Wambasaka, if he starts against City a few weeks ago I'd have been like no that's a trouble now I'm like 
start him. I think he's played really well when he's been on the pitch. And I, I suddenly trust him because I think inside with Varane, Varane there looking after that space, that half space, I feel a lot better about that than Victor Lindelof. Should have Lisandro Martinez back in as well, I'd expect. Yeah. After after the World Cup with the minutes that he's got recently, I'd expect him to be back in from now on. Obviously, in that there is your Luke Shaw, who's in really good form. You've got yeah. three of the back four who are Luke first Shaw. choice, and then Luke Shaw on the mug. There he is. Oh, Shaw lovely, Berto. Rob. If you're listening to this, Rob has a Shawberto Carlos mug with a Luke Shaw head uh, head swapped onto a Roberto Carlos shirt in a Brazil kit from about the 1998, something like that. That's looks, the one. That's the one. Like that's that's what we're comparing him to because <laughs> you know, best fullback in the world and all that. Yeah. So United are. Uh, I'm going into this and I'm thinking I'm just excited to see mm. how good United are because I don't know for sure. Like, obviously, we, we, we've we seen signs, Rob, of United's improvements, but this is a really good test of just how far they've come, mm-hmm. a good test of the attitude against a team that have been superior to them for a number of years now, and the players know that as well. Uh, so it'll be a good mental and physical and tactical test, and we'll see on the result, even if even if they lose, I'm not going to be too down about it because I'm not expecting United to go and kick on and challenge. And we know that City are years ahead of uh, United in their, you know, on their road and this kind of mm-hmm. thing. And there is still work to do for United. But what I do trust, <clears throat> even though there's difficult games coming up, I think what Eric Ten Hag has done, even in moments of difficulty, has shown that they can draw a line in the sand and actually move on and react. To, to low moments and react to defeats. So I think even if they did lose this game, which is a distinct possibility, uh, I think I won't be too down about it unless they lose 6-0. Yeah. <laughs> the stakes are higher for Man City than they are Man yeah. United. That's the truth. So even though Man United are chasing top four, like you just said, if you lose this game because they're superior to you, you take it on the chin, you get on with it next game, don't you? You go, well, you lost that game. We're not as good as them. But that's the kind of the fool's gold for Man City, isn't it? Is that they know that they've got to come and win. They've got to win this game. If they want to be in this title race, they've got to they've got to win this match and prove to the world they are still what they are. And it also shows, I think, Scott, that, you know, we talk about squads and quality and like just said there, you know, with United players getting the City team and whatnot. It shows that if you have a good coach against a good coach, you can get closer to that team, no matter what your personnel is. Because even though United spent well over 200 million in the summer, what's changed at Man United is the philosophy. That's what's changed. And that players are now running through brick walls for the manager. And we've not had that for a while. So these things, these intangibles really do count. If you've got good coaching and someone who can push players on and reach their potentials, like we just talked about Aaron Wamasaka for five minutes, you know, if you can do that with every member of your squad, you can get somewhere close to an elite team like Man City who I think on their day are the best team in the world. So, you know, City, you've got to keep rolling on and I'm sure that they'll come and turn up to fight at Old Trafford. But I also think that Man United might dictate long periods of the game, which is something that we've not really said before. I think United will be the team trying to be on the front foot and trying to kind of exert their form on Man City's defence. I'm all up for chasing down Nathan Ake. Let's do it. Yeah, that, that to me, if he's on the pitch, depending on who they play, I don't look at that back four now at, at Man City and think, uh, they're as watertight as they were 12 months ago. There's certainly some deficiencies now in that back line and in their midfield. 
Let us know how you think Man United will do in the Manchester derby at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore P and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, optimism, quite optimism is the way that I'm oh. summarising it. Scary. That's scary. Yeah, it's More weird. scary than the game. It's weird. Uh, what part? You mentioned running through brick walls. I think Vout Verkost will come in and run through brick walls. So we are recording this as it stands, unless this breaks at 10 a.m. Uh, UK time. And we'll probably still be recording at that point. Uh, Van Weghorst is not currently confirmed as a United player as we record this, although we are, from what we understand, he will be registered in time for the Premier League deadline, probably will be announced on Friday and will probably take place on the bench in the Manchester derby. He's not going to throw him straight in, is he? I hope not. I don't yeah, think it's too. necessary. I don't think it's necessary because, you know, what happens? You throw your big loan signing in, he puts his foot through an opponent and he's suspended for three matches. No, these things happen, <laughs> don't they, with players who are not who have not been prepared properly because you're desperate. Man United are not desperate. Val Veghorst is coming in to be a strategic bench piece. So come in and play him as that. He might get 20 minutes, you know, in this game, or you might use him in a certain way. As you just said there, what did we know about Veghorst in our last show? Well, we knew the Man United private jet was on its way. You know, we knew that he was ready to kind of get to Old Trafford, get his uh, his medical done, and United were, were making the wheels in motion. So we're almost there now. So I'm sure if you're listening to this, it might already have been an announcement by United saying, welcome, Val, to, to Old Trafford. But there's no way you should just chuck him in. I've heard this already, that he's going to wear the number seven, that he's the starting striker, that he's the player they're going to play off. No, no, that's not what it is. He's a loan signing, short term, who's going to have to earn his stripes. And I think he's much better than people say. Again, you look at him, his Burnley period, certainly just the, the latter period of his Burnley spell. Yeah, very unspectacular. Two goals in 20 games, something like that. Pre-Burnley, Really, really good player. Really good. Post-Burnley, really good player. So I think you're getting a, an actually someone who, who's at the top of his own form coming to Old Trafford. You just said about running through brick walls. He is a brick wall that runs through brick walls. It's a good addition. That's what you want. You want someone who is a little bit different to Martial and a little bit different to Marcus. So now you've got three really good, I think, options through the middle. And you can play 4-2-3-1. You can play 4-1-5. You can play 4-3-3. You can do all these things. I think in many years gone by, Man United just couldn't play those systems because they didn't have the versatility and talent. So um, I'm good with him coming. I know people are taking the mick out of Man United and out of us and saying, oh, it's a, it's all a little bit of a joke. I think Veg Valthorst, I think, I think, I think, I think he's going to be. <laughs> he's calling Veg Valthorst. I, I said Veg Valthorst, I can't even say it. You know, I think Veg is going to be a success in his role from the bench. And that's what I think he should be. Is he going to start? I'd be really surprised. If... He might He might start. Someday. Why would Ten Hag change things around when he's shown all season long he doesn't like changing things around? Like that. that's kind of... Chuck him in against City, lose 3-1, everyone blames the, the loan signing. Like it doesn't make sense. So unless he had an injury, I think if Martial pulls up, which could happen, like as we're talking, as he does his... His, uh, his last day of training or whatnot, that could happen. Then you might have to use him, but I don't want to see any Jao Felix repeat. I thought that was a joke last night that Chelsea let him start because they're desperate. And then you're putting pressure on the boy and he then goes and puts his foot through someone. And it was a red card. You know, I watched it in real time. I was like, yes, red card. No problem. Foot's too high. No control in your body. And you're off. And now he's got a holiday in London for the next three games. So that's pointless, isn't it? That's not what you want. So use... Uh, 
used Val in the right ways. And I think that he could be a really good striker for Man United. I think what, whatever circumstance, let's, let's take tomorrow, let's take Saturday as, uh, as the, the point here. Whatever circumstance United are in, unless they're losing by a mile and they're comfortably out of the game, yeah. whichever position they're in, if they're winning, if they're drawing, if they're losing, if you introduce Val Bancos with 20 minutes to go, he will add something to that match. Mm. He will come in and help you press from the front if you're yeah. defending a lead. He will add a threat in the box if you're drawing. And he will add a threat in the box and a different thing for City's defence to think about if they're chasing a goal as well. And if you're closing the game down with five or ten minutes to go and you need height to defend set pieces, mm-hmm. uh, do you know what I mean? This is this is it. So he gives you something at both ends of the pitch. Now, people again might say this is all blue sky thinking, but it's not blue sky thinking. Look at his numbers and look what he does. You know, he's better on the deck than people give him credit for. But yes, he does give you that aerial threat at both ends. And there'll be many times you look at Man United with even these supposedly really good headers of the ball like, like, Harry Maguire, you know, and Man United, the ball goes under them over like that and Harry Maguire's positioned like that. It's gone over the back and someone's headed it in at the far post and you think, ugh, someone like Val will give you that. He'll give you that option there to be able to get up and, and challenge and compete. And I think that's more what his function will be, Scott. I think he'll be more about when you close games down, he'll allow you to play something more functional like a 4 3 because United don't play 4 3 3 a lot in terms of the system. But he can be a proper number nine and let you play with two wingers off the side of him and you can spread the, the field and the pitch like that. So tactically, technically, I think a really, really good signing. And, you know, when Cavani was at the football club, and we talked about him last week, I was always like, Cavani's not very good when he starts. Cavani is your energy guy for 20 minutes off the bench and then he's brilliant. I look at Veghorst exactly the same as that. I think he's going to... His same profile, 20 minutes. He's going to come on and shock defenders. He's going to come on and he's going to push them and press. And if he does that, it means Man United can move up as a football team together. And maybe that's not what we've had over the years. Certainly Ronaldo off the bench didn't give you anything like that. It meant the whole team had to change to put the ball in Ronaldo's foot from six yards. And United weren't very good at that. Still probably not very good at that. So... Much better profile of striker in terms of what Ten Hag is trying to do. Val Veghorst will sign for Man United on a sixth-month loan with no option to buy, uh, which is a big thing. Uh, obviously, United are looking to get into a position where they see see out the rest of the season. If all goes well, they finish in the top four. If all goes better than well, not saying anything. Uh, but top four is the aim, right? Top four is... United have got themselves into a position where they're favoured by most I think to get in the top four and this will really help them and then if they do get top four that means Champions League money that means totally. uh, better transfer targets etc etc yeah. we'll talk to uh, oh, we've spoken to Rio Ferdinand myself and Harry uh, Arsenal fan producer you can check out if you you like Arsenal go and check out his stuff uh, Chronicles of Aguna and he's also on the Nightman channel without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As well, we both spoke to Rio Ferdinand 
uh, earlier this week, and you can hear from him about Valverde and about his pick for who that long-term striker should be that United target in the summer later on in the show. But uh, Valverde on his way in, and this is ah, it's a good little plaster. But let's let's move on, Rob, to news in the week where United have uh, dispatched Charlton in the League Cup. Anthony scoring another goal, Marcus Rashford scoring another two, and uh, he continues his run of scoring. I think the big thing here, we've touched on Man City already, is the fact that Man City have been dumped out by Southampton. And now, with Man City in that competition, you think, oh, well, United are automatically not favourites to win that. This is Man City's Cup. And now Man City are gone. United have a chance of winning their tr- uh, ending their trophy drought, don't they? They do. And it's the best chance of winning a trophy for quite a long time, isn't it? It's, it's interesting. When when we beat Charlton, uh, my brain immediately turned to, will we get City in the semi? It's the first thing I thought. And I always think that because it's happened in the past, is not it, in cup competitions where you run into Man City and you kind of go, oh. And again, you would use the old caveat of, oh, well, I want all the big games. So, yeah, let's play Man City. And I was thinking after that, wouldn't it be nice if Man City just get knocked out of Southampton? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Because it just gives you a clearer path. Usually I'd want that big semi-final against City, but I was like, well, let's avoid it this time and maybe get a, a more favourable game. When that's how it's worked out, you can only beat what's in front of you. But when I think when you look at the teams remaining, I, again, I look at Newcastle and I think Newcastle are the main threat, I think, for in terms of winning the trophy. And they're also at that stage of development where they would like a trophy. Like you could think Eddie Howe winning the League Cup would be a big thing for them. You know, they haven't won trophies for many, many seasons. But that would be a dream final, I think. You know, United versus Newcastle, two teams that have improved their form this season. New manager, new manager bounce in terms of last year with Eddie Howe going to Newcastle. And maybe a brand new world. Maybe two teams that will challenge for the Premier League title in seasons to come. Whereas I don't think fans of either club have been able to think that for quite a long time. Certainly we haven't at Man United, have we? So really interesting. And I think that United just did the job against Charlton. Like people were like, well, it wasn't that 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 great a game. It doesn't need to be. Just get the job done. At 1-0, I was still quite comfortable. I was thinking, well, 1-0, you go through to the next round. That's all really that matters. Um, but you win it 3-0. Marcus, again, goal, goal off the bench. Um And I thought United, again, managed that game really well in the latter stages. That's where it would have gone, isn't it, in years gone by? You'd have got to the last 10 minutes and started biting your nails and going, we're going to mess it up here. I never felt that in that game. Even when Charlton had a few opportunities, I still kind of felt that United were in control. United will play Nottingham Forest in the semi-final. Two-legged affair. Obviously, United beat Forest in the Premier League recently. Dean Henderson. (laughs) Do you want to do a little bit? Yeah, let's do a bit of Dino, because I've been thinking about Dino. Dino, uh, obviously, unable to play. Uh, yep. I think there were suggestions that he would ask if he could play, because it's a League Cup semi-final. But then, I didn't re-watch this clip back, but I saw it was shared about his comments earlier in the season about leaving Man United and his situation at Man United. And, as far as we understand, he will not be allowed to play. He won't be allowed to play. And do you know what? If there was any chance of Manchester United authorising that, because say they want good terms with Forrest later on down the line with the transfer or whatnot, he's kind of just done it himself, isn't he? Like, you're going to say, well, no, you can't play. Tough. I think some of the things he said are borderline scandalous. I really do. You know, the whole, I wasn't going to perform in front of my manager because he might have kept me because I'm so good. Come off it. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we know Dean Henderson's a good goalkeeper. We know that. We know Dean Henderson will not be at Man United probably next year. That's just it's just the way it is now. He's burnt those bridges. And I also think he does have a gripe about saying that he was told he was going to be number one and he wasn't. And we've said there's reasons for that. There were reasons why he wasn't given that run as a number one last year. And I think they're va- they're valid. So I know footballers always believe their own hype, but certainly players are high on confidence. We know Dean Henderson is one of those players that absolutely has complete faith in who he is and what he does. Dean Henderson needs to go and sit in the stands for the semi-finals. There's no chance Man United should give any chance of him being there because I do believe that they are going to ask. They're going to ask United because what they've got to lose. Um, but I think Dean Henderson has kind of given the answer himself is that there's no chance you should let him be the hero against the football club that still employs him. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, United are expect. I think most people would expect United to progress through that two-legged tie. Obviously, never say never. Um, stranger things have happened, but the way that United dealt with Forest with relative ease a few weeks ago suggests to you really that United have figured out how to win these kinds of games. And there is a two- there are two legs as well. So if a shock does come up, you'd expect Definitely. United to react in some sense in the second leg. Two which leg I believe is at Old Trafford as well. Yeah, that, that, when the draw came out and I saw it and we were second out the hat in that in the second uh, game, having that that buffer of being the, the the two legs and having Old Trafford as the final leg, it just gives you a little bit more confidence, doesn't it? Because you can go to the City Grand, you can go to Nottingham and you can maybe get the job done early, but it does mean you've still got this 90 minutes at Old Trafford where you can turn the screw on them. I think Forrest are better than, than people say as well and maybe better than they've performed at times. Um but you, you can only beat what's in front of you, like I was saying. I think if you can go to the city ground early and do the job, you might be able to cruise through the second game. But of course, you've got two legs to do it. So I think it's such a weird format. Like, why do you have a two-legged semi-final later in the season? Now it's 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 like now, like the FA Cup. We're we're not doing extra time, but we're doing replays. And who makes these rules up for the cup competitions? It's Ludicrous. Going to Do Wembley you know I mean? for the semis is weird to me as well. Do, do yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't need to. doesn't need to be Wembley, does it? And yet they do it, and they kind of ruin the final in some ways by having semis at, at Wembley. Oh, I don't know. I don't know who this. It's the lawmakers again, isn't it? So no, good position for Man United to maybe win a trophy. Newcastle will be thinking exactly the same thing. Rob, uh, we will go to Rio Ferdinand shortly. Uh, however, I'm going to introduce a section unexpected. Because, and it's not about Veghorst either. Uh, I've just been uh, looking through my my timeline. Manchester United takeover offers imminent, according to the Telegraph, from Middle East, Asia, and the US. Yes. Man United have received serious takeover interest from the Middle East, Asia, and America, and are poised to invite formal bids for, from them by a mid-February deadline. Uh, so Jim Ratcliffe is also continuing to monitor the situation, while an offer from him is still expected. Formal talks are yet to begin. Uh, you can check this out on the Telegraph. James Ducker... Uh, and Tom Morgan. Yeah. And uh, this kind of matches up with the Q1 plan, right? Uh, I know you haven't seen this, Rob, so I'm coming to you pretty much uh, cold here. But uh, other candidates who expressed appetite to buy Chelsea last year are known to have also returned with approaches. Uh, and over the coming weeks, potential investors from around the world will go public with their attempts to buy the sporting giant that is Man United. The clock is now ticking, as it is understood senior figures will issue the mid February invite. Plenty to, to read there. There's more more on it. If you want to go read it, I'm sure you'll find it on Twitter somewhere or look at the telegraph.co.uk. Getting closer, Rob. 
getting closer and again does marry up with the with the information that we do know about bidders and what they want to do so we said on last week's show didn't we talked a little bit at the end of the show about Jim Radcliffe and Lewis Hamilton potential consortium there of maybe Mercedes people who are friends and family and have worked together in the past and want to work together in football uh, and I think with Jim Radcliffe, you know, I said it last week and I'll say it again, put your money where your mouth is. If you want Manchester United, this is your opportunity. You're born in Manchester, lifelong United fan, stroke Chelsea, um, something like that. And at the same time, you know, you've been a season ticket at Old Trafford, you know what it's all about. So if you want to buy the club, you can do it now. In terms of bids, and, and this has been running now for a few weeks, we know that there is potential in both, Dubai and Qatar of potential bidders who are interested in Man United. Qatar is a bit more uh, different in terms of the logistics around PSG and maybe ownership and people who are part of the same consortiums. Much more difficult to do, but for Dubai, a lot more easier. But it's also, I think, about it's a global thing, Scott, because I think the Glazers would like to sell to American owners. I think they would like that transaction. They would see that in terms of monetary exchange and the dollar and stuff like that is is more favourable to them in that way. But we've not really heard from anything from, say, the Far East or anything at the moment. I'm always really surprised that you don't hear more from, like, Indian billionaires or people who have actually, you know, just united a huge business out in India in that part of the world. So where are these bidders? So they do exist, and we do know that they exist. Now it's about who's going to go public first. And so on last week's show, everyone's been kind of, keeping their powder dry because they've just been wanting to see what the offer is from the Glazers. And the Glazers are now putting that out there a lot more. Glazers telling them what they want and how they want it. I think the big thing is this, Scott. It's going to go to the, to the consortium that really puts the dollars up for a new stadium. Somebody can come in and say, the package is this. We give you that to go away, Glazers. There's your money. There you go. Here is the money that we need to do a new stadium. It might be backed by Coca-Cola or someone like that. So it'll be the Coca-Cola Old Trafford Theatre of Dreams or whatever you want to call it, something like that. That's going to be key to this bid, to selling it to the fan base as well. So if you get someone that can actually say they're going to put a new stadium out, you can see what Real Madrid have done at the Santiago Bernabeu. May not need to do something similar. It has to be as grand and as beautiful as what they're doing in Madrid. It has to be on that level. It can't be a little, let's mend the roof above Rob's head in the North Stand. That can't be what it is. So we're here, we're nearly there. And I think next month we will have, we have multiple bidders on the table and we'll be able to sift through them on our show and go through who's credible and who's not. Yeah, so the suggestions that uh, uh, full takeovers will be invited or uh, minority stakes or, you know, this kind of thing. And we'll wait and see how that unfolds. But obviously uh, in the report, it also says uh, Q1 or by the end of April is when United want this to kind I of think, be sorted out. I think end of April is much more realistic in terms of where you are. And like going through the end of the financial year, looking forward, doing your projections, all of those things. You'd like to know what money the people who own the club have. And the Glazers are kind of pulling away from it, aren't they? Even if they get a minority holder or even a majority holder and they stay as the minority, you've got to be able to pay the debt off. You've got to be able to do everything with your stadium. And you have to keep investing in the squad, don't you? It's just what it is. So you need an owner who is filthy rich or at least a bunch of billionaires who are going to get together, which I think would be the same. So Jim Radcliffe route. I'll put it out there. I'd love to be owned by Lewis Hamilton. Let's do it. You know, I would love that kind of, because it, it, it would just give you a kind of, 
pure edge to a lot of this. You know, like some of the stuff we're going to have to debate about ownership and human rights and all of that stuff that's coming, and we're going to have to talk about it, and we will. It would just be easier to like have someone like Lewis do it. Lewis and Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who's a United fan, and mm-hmm. have got the money. Doesn't mean they'd be successful. Doesn't mean that they would, but I think that that's the kind of owner that would give United the most value in terms of behind the scenes. Plenty more to come on that. The Manchester derby is up on Saturday, the early kickoff in the Premier League. We've done our bit, Rob. Let's just, do you, are you optimistic? Do you think United can do it? I, I, I go to the game. I'll be there, obviously. Um, I go there just pretty calm. Like I don't. I know that's my normal demeanour with these things, but overall, I think that United can beat Man City at the moment. It doesn't mean they will, but I also you can keep using the disclaimer. But Man City themselves have got things to sort out. So if they win this game, if they come to Old Trafford and perform well, as I said, you take that punch on the chin. But there are things going on at Man City in that squad that I don't know about. There's just something you're watching them. They are not the same team that they were five minutes ago. And it's like Liverpool are the same, aren't they? Like Liverpool are in that moment where they're having now to buy, like Gakpo's gone to the football club. I think he'll do very well there, actually. Get him in your fancy league teams, £8 million. I think he's a good buy. But I think overall, you're looking at that and they're in a moment of change. And I think City might as well come to the end of this season. And you might see two or three go out the door. And two or three come in. Obviously, they would like Jude Bellingham as well, maybe in the centre of that midfield to, to spear them on next season. Who knows how if that will happen or not? Maybe will, maybe won't. Uh, so that's why I think where Guardiola is. And Guardiola, new contract. He's going to be at the club. He's going to oversee it all. But this is just one game and they can turn it on, but they can also turn it off. Let's hope United can turn it on. Uh, Rob, thank you very much for today, uh, your contribution. As ever, always good to talk to you. We've talked Manchester Derby, we've talked about Veghorst, we've talked League Cup, a little bit of takeover talk as well. Rob and I will see you next week, uh, Tuesday, I believe. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube as well. Hit the like button on today's video, subscribe, join the community. And leave a comment for us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B, and at Promise and MU are our Twitters. And as promised earlier on, uh, myself and Harry, who produces the show, is an Arsenal fan, spoke earlier this week to Rio Ferdinand about the Manchester derby, about Valt Weghorst, and about Rio Ferdinand's choice for who United should go for in the summer if they are to buy a new striker. So... We'll run that for you in four, I believe it's about 15 minutes or so. So enjoy that. And thank you very much for listening to the show, everyone. We'll see you very, very soon. Scott and Harry here, joined by the legendary Rio Ferdinand. Rio, how are you, mate? How's it going? How are you doing, guys? You all right? Fantastic. Uh, we're speaking ahead of the Manchester derby, Manchester United versus Manchester City. Rio, Harry is an Arsenal fan. Uh, I'm a United fan. He's He's pretty smug at the moment, mate. I'm sure you get a lot of that with Joel. So all Arsenal fans, Joel, Joel Bay is another one who I work with. Yeah, I know can, Joel. Can, can you cut on. us some slack? Like it's been a long time, guys. Like we, we kind of deserve to bask in it for a little bit at least. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's Harry's gonna he'll he'll shoehorn Arsenal into this conversation somehow in a little bit, I'm sure. But let's uh, let's talk United Rio for a little bit. Good run of form at the moment. Uh obviously the six three reverse was uh a low moment earlier in the season. Uh, but is, it, is this a good time for Man United to play this game? Because they're, they're on a high at the moment. Things are going well. Um, yeah, I think, listen, I don't think there's a, always a, there's a perfect time to be playing City because they're that good. I just think that 
you look at you look at Manchester United and you look at from their standpoint, they're playing with a confidence that we haven't seen for a long time, and they're playing um, with individuals that are confident. Uh, they're playing like a team that understand what the manager wants now, which has taken time. And there's a culture behind all of that, which is the backdrop to everything that now is supporting what the manager's putting in, put in place. And I think that you can see the, the rewards from that in performance on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, things have really taken an upturn since the 6-3. Uh, I did want to ask you about what's changed. I mean, but I know I've seen I've seen a lot of your stuff and how kind of big you are on Casemiro. Casemiro mm. was on the bench in that 6-3, and I remember everybody questioning why he wasn't starting the game. So mm. how big of a... How big an important factor has he been in this change around? And is it the biggest factor or is it down to the culture and this kind of thing? I think he's been a huge factor. Um, it, I think the money they paid for him and the way they got him, I think it, he's justified it up to this point in his performances. Um, he's been putting in, he's either man of the match or runner-up man of the match every week. Um, he epitomises, I think, what the manager's trying to implement. Um, there's a certain standard every day, day-to-day day at the football club and, and obviously during the 90 minutes that plays out um, and, and setting that culture. You need you need lieutenants to be able to do that and I think that Casemiro's coming and he's one of them. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a winner. He's proved that. He's proved he can go the distance, albeit in another league, but in the Champions League as well, numerous times. And so those those elements there, you put that in the mix, it, can, it bodes well if the culture is right and being set right from the top. And it looks like at the moment, um, Eric Ten Hag is doing that. I think the fact that Marcus Rashford was obviously dropped the other day, he's uh, one of United's, probably United's most important player or one of them at the moment in the best form. Just, it really goes to show, you consider where United were at the start of the season with, you know, egos going out of control, this kind of thing. Eric Ten Hag, is this his team now? Is uh, What's happened over the past six months? Has he put a stamp on this? Is this his team? and his way forward. Yeah, I think it is his team. I still think, like, get to the end of this season and then start a fresh next season, then you're going to go, right, this is it. Um, but he's needed this patience and time from the club um, to get to where we are now. Um, I don't think to get to this point he ever expected it um, was going to be a bump-free ride. Um, there was too much that had kind of gone under the water and gone under the bridge before that in terms of players losing confidence. The, I think his comments the other day after the game were really interesting about that, like the, the confidence, the, um, the team ambience, the the way that the, the players were at the football club prior to him coming. And then when he came in the door, seeing it immediately, and it was rearing his head far too often. Um, and that takes time to change that. Again, he's not just changing football players the way they think. He's actually changing human beings and men, their mindsets. Um and so to do that takes time and there have to be messages that are consistent and reinforced on a daily basis and that sets the culture and I think he's on the right road to doing that. It's nowhere near complete yet, but he's on the right road. Rio, a lot of the talk around uh, Manchester City going into this game will be obviously around Erling Haaland. He's been incredible mm. since he's come to the Premier League. Everybody expected him uh, to set the place alight and he really has done that. I wanted to ask you, if you were coming up against him, if you were playing centre-half for Manchester United, what would be your plan of defence against a player of his qualities? Stop the supply line. 
You can't let De Bruyne get his head up. You can't let Grealish get his head up. You can't let Mahrez get his head up. You can't let Foden get his head up. You can't let Silva get his head up or even Rodri. There's four or five players in the team that are capable of putting the ball on a sixpence from it if you give them time. So you've got to think you've got to be aggressive. You've got to go up against these guys. And when the ball does get to these players' feet, you've got to make sure you get their head down. But you've got to be close to people then. And you've got to be brave. Um, it's difficult. That doesn't say it's, it's definitely going to happen because they, your defenders they have to be able to deal with him 1v1 in the box when the ball does eventually get there because it will get there and you have to expect that. You give to respect the quality you're playing against. But stop the supply is always, for me, the best. And that takes, as I said, that's what I prided myself on a lot of the time. People would say, oh, Rio, you were this and that. But sometimes it was because I was being made to look better because teammates were doing their job. And I was a big part of shouting, talking, cajoling, directing teammates into positions that would make me look better. Um, and I think that's an element Man United players need to really get into and be, and be, be a part of. One of the things that Manchester City have at the moment that some of the clubs going through the development phase like Man United, like my Arsenal, you know, is that they've got depth. They've got depth all over the park. How important is that? How key is that to Man City's title chances? Bearing in mind that they've got 11 games between now and the end of February. Yeah, depth is huge. I mean, one injury can destabilise a whole season if you haven't got the depth. And I think that's where City set themselves apart from everybody else. You could take four or five players out of the City team and they still sometimes will go into games and play like you would never know they've got a player out of place. Um, May United are are still to get to that. Um, And if you just look in the forward areas alone right now, that's where May United are very... like. If if Rashford comes out of the team, you don't know where the goals are going to come from at the moment. Um, so you need that that depth. And what well, we saw the other day when Haaland's on the bench, they beat they beat Chelsea four. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, their bench, Gundogan, John Stones, um, Haaland and all the others, and you're thinking, Jesus. Is this a is this a must win for City to keep tabs on Arsenal? Do they need to stay? Oh, Harry, to don't them? don't get carried away now. Well, it, not even halfway through. Well, you know, every game is important. Is it it, do Man City have to, can they afford essentially to fall further behind than they are now? Or do you feel like every game now it's, it's making sure they stay hot in the hills? No, I think they, 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 you take it game by game. I think it's like, listen, no, no, anyone loses this weekend, whether it be Arsenal or, or, or Manchester, Manchester City, it doesn't decide anything. There's too many games to be played. There's too many ups and downs throughout the rest of the season to happen for this game to have any real bearing on where the title goes. No one's going to look back at this game and go, that was the game where Man City won or lost the league. You know what I mean? So it's, um, I think for the immediate, I think it's just great for momentum and confidence, especially for Manchester United. They're building, they're becoming a consistent outfit. Um, this game will go a long way to kind of solidifying and reinforcing some of the messaging that's been going on behind the scenes at, at Carrington. How do you see this one going then, Rio? Can't call it. I think Man United, if they're going to win, they've got to be their best. And City have probably got to have a bit of an edge off what they do normally for Man United to win this game. Um, but at the same time, City could play at 60% and still win this game. They're that good um, if Man United ain't at the races. So I'm sitting on the fence here a little bit. But <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Man United heart, I'm going to go with my heart and say United get a, a, two, a 2-1 win. It's, it is a hard one to call, though, isn't it? Because you, you, you not United have had tests against Arsenal and Liverpool, but that was months ago now, and obviously things have changed a lot since then. So, be a good test of where United are and how they progress. But uh, Rio, I did just want to ask you a few more questions on United specifically. 
transfers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, Cody Gakpo gone to Liverpool. João Felix looking like he's on his way to Chelsea. United linked with both of them, but now Val Verkhorst is is the man on everyone's lips. Uh, I know I've spoken to Harry a little bit uh, about whether he's suitable. Where do you stand on this? Because it it's a short term loan, as it seems to be. Uh, short term loan. We'll see how it goes, but it seems like United want to get through to the end of the season. Do you think this is a good move for them in the circumstances? I think this is a, a, a Ten Hag signing. I think that he's a, it very much screams at. It, what I'd like about it, it's actually just, it, it's going against what United were doing before. We were buying Falcao. We were buying Zlatan. We were buying these type of players. Um, in this, we were buying names maybe sometimes before you was going, does this guy fit the way we want to play? I think Zlatan went and scored loads of goals, so he was justified in the end. But it was still, initially you're going, like, we're just going, we're going to go with the biggest name out there, get a ball at the time. Um but this is very much, it's not a fashionable signing. It's not one that rolls off the tongue. Um, but I think if you look at Ten Hag's history, you look at Ajax, he took Haller, who no one was taking in the Premier League, off of, off of West Ham. And he becomes one of the most feared strikers in, in definitely in, in Holland, but also Champions League football. He was up there with the top strikers in terms of goals um, the couple of seasons he was there. So that type of player, because a red horse suits the way that Eric Ten Hag wants to play, if you look at Haller as the one example. Um, so you can see why he would bring him. He's got something about him. I don't think you can judge him by the Burnley, Burnley um, cameo. And I just think it's about styles. And I think it's just about styles for Eric Ten Hag. Would he be able to fit into the way we play and the way I want to play? Yes. Does he press, by the way, as well? well that's a big part of Eric Ten Hag's football. This geezer does press. He's good at that. So there's, there's, you can see the reason why he's a name would he, he would come up. He's not the fashionable answer, but he could be the effective answer. Let's talk fashionable. Let's say uh, it's, it's, it's a six-month loan to the end of the season. Whatever happens, happens. United, ownership change in the summer. All things going well. All things going well. Who's your pick at centre forward if they do need a long-term acquisition in that position? You know, we've seen Harry Kane linked every other summer, it seems. Victor Osserman's name is popping up as well, doing amazing work with Napoli. Uh, you know, if if there's one long-term choice you had to pick. For there's only position, one. If there is one for you. There's, a, there's only one. There is? I'm Go Bepe, on. that's it. It's the only one you go for. <laughs> The only person you go for is Mbappe. He's the best. Attainable for Man United at the moment. That's the problem. If we're talk- talking, I'm talking dream case scenario. If we're talking realistically, you probably Man United aren't going to be his next destination. Um, I said it on my podcast last yesterday. Harry Kane. If you can get Harry, you're guaranteeing 20 goals minimum. It's job done. I, I love just- that we've gone from Vout Vekos to Kylian Mbappe. The jump is incredible. Incredible. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Where Man United are at the moment. Though. Hey, they're on their way back. It's, we got we got some optimism. Some optimism. There's been plenty of false dawns over the past few years, but obviously uh, a lot of things looking like they could change. A manager is in control at the moment. Uh, Rio, we talked about strikers. Uh, this is more of a long-term question for you, but what kind of weaknesses do you still see in the team in the summer if there was a couple of other positions you think would need addressing? What would you do? I think in the midfield area, I think there's, there's somebody with who's got a real engine. Um, 
and knows how to play the position, but can do both sides of the game would be a good acquisition. Um, I still think maybe that. Um, I think I don't think anywhere in Man United other there, there's no real positions other than Casemiro, Martinez, and Rafael Varane. I think all the other positions are still and uh, yeah, Marcus, I said in that. But yeah. all the other positions, there's 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 going to be pros and cons about who's there. You know what I mean? Dallas still a work in progress. Sure, can he stay fit? Malasia, is he going to be the guy we don't know yet consistently? Do you know what I mean? Ericsson, his age. Um, it's, it's difficult. The wide players, the two wide players, whoever plays out there at the moment still haven't set the world alight yet. So there's, I think there's still room for improvement in all areas. Um Oh, there's room for improvement with the individuals that are there still. Um, and I think a bit of both is probably the way. Cristiano Ronaldo obviously left the club, uh, Rio. Uh, lots of unwanted sort of attention around the club during the end of his kind of time there. Do you think that United are better off having uh, having moved him on now and, and having kind of put that whole thing to bed? I think the noise around the club, I think it's a bit more stable. Um, or it's just calmed down a little bit of noise around the club. Um, but I, I think we'll, we'll, we'll only see the real either benefits or the pros or the cons of that at the end of this season. I think it's too early to say, oh, it's much better now because this is May night if we lose the next four games and people go flipping out. Oh, they could do for Ronaldo right now. And that'll be the narrative, I'm sure. But end of the season, and I think it's good for a bit, you can, you can for, for it to kind of just settle and the manager, the club, likes of Cristiano with hindsight I'm sure there'll be a different temperature and a different feeling from both sides once time has passed and I think it's always the case um, when you're in the heat at the moment and emotions are running high and there's there's pride there's ego etc and there's a lot of attention things can get blown out quite quickly out of proportion um, and I think that happened on both sides I think both sides would probably look back and go do you know what I would have probably do that differently now with hindsight uh, I don't think either side handled it perfectly. Um, but when are these situations when there's such big stakes at, ri at risk ever handled perfectly? doesn't happen often. Rio, thank you very much. Uh, Harry, thank you very much. Uh, Rio, always great to speak to you. Uh, we'll Cheers, see you very I'll soon. You. Let's hope United win on, on Saturday. Yeah? Exactly. I hope uh, you win as well for once. <laughs> I know, I know. Take it easy. Thanks, thanks lads. See ya. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.